Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the Lightfoot Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Jason Fox, and he and I traverse a wide range of really, really fascinating topics together, starting and ending with some particularly deep philosophical questions. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. I bring you Dr. Jason Fox. Jason, welcome to the Lightfoot Podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here with me. It is so nice to be here in person with you in your lovely abode. Yeah, because we've been relating largely online over the last six months. Um, so, yeah, it is really good to be here with you in person. And I, I want to ask first, who are you, Jason Fox? <laughs> and I, I want you to answer that question on any, any level you want, as benign or as deep as you feel to go. <clears throat> So we just had a stroll around the block before this and you, you asked me, how are you? You know, now it's who are you? Yeah. Good Lord. Um, I, yeah, uh, this is okay. Wow. Yeah. Right into the deep end. Hey, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know that I have picked up dispositions, sensibilities, personas, um, aspects of character over time that suit me um, situationally. I'm not sure if these are apt descriptions of who I am. Uh, there is, um, you know, and of course the philosopher kicks in and wants to be like really smart. And, well, not smart, but just clever as a, a wise seeming. Like, and to then hat tip Hansi Freinach's individual notion. Mm -hmm. uh, so the question is more aptly, who am we? Or... Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, and then there's these kind of throwaway lines of like, you know, oh, we're a, um, we're an emergent um, species of experience with the capacity for self-referencing. <laughs> I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's all those, like the jumble, right? It's easy to overthink this stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I, I do, what, how, how, how do you answer that? <laughs> uh, I can have a go. I, uh, I am... <laughs> this is so great. Is, I, I guess like I, I'm, what do we, what do we do is like how we generally answer that, right? Like, what are we, I'm, I'm a, I'm a writer newly emerged into that field and a, a podcaster now, but none of that really feels comfortable. So maybe, maybe it's easier if I, let me give my sense of who I feel you to be and um, maybe we'll find some resonance in the middle of that. I, I see you as a really, a really special friend and a really inspirational human that I feel really lucky to have come across over the last six months. I think you are a kind of like a modern Renaissance man to, to, you know, use a bit of a cliche. You're a, you're a thinker, you're a writer, you're a, a curator of, experiences for people you're a, a community host um but i guess the reason i start with asking you that is because i know that that will immediately take us into the realm that i want to go to together which is that yeah the 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 bigger than us the fact that we find ourselves this kind of like uh, 
these humans that are starting to really ask that question and be left with that feeling of like, well, I'm not really sure. And what am I supposed to do next? I don't really know. But if, if we if we have the discussion, maybe we're going to get to a place together where it's going to mm, feel right. Mm, so mm-hmm. I guess already I feel like I am, um, I am more me when I'm in reference to you. And that's a really beautiful feeling. And um, I'm really grateful for that. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess this this is beautiful and exactly, you know, the territory that I'd love to explore with you too. I feel like somehow we've, we've effectively circumvented the default, you know, podcast start of like, uh, this is where the, give the positioning statement (laughs) of, you know, the books written and all the, the, the credentials and so on. Um, uh, because that, that stuff gets so fatiguing sometimes. But it's it's quite interesting how we find out, like, because likewise, Amira, and even just just before then, we're like, there's there's quite uh, a few affinities, shared similarities, and stuff like that. There's a there's definitely there's definitely a resonance. Like, there's an uncanny level of affinity that we somehow have, despite having only really met. What was it? A year ago? Mm. Maybe not even less. Yeah, yeah nine yeah. months. Um. Yeah, so I mean, this is, oh, the, you know, this is funny. Like, so right now, there's this thing that kicks into my head um, of like, oh, let's have some audience empathy because you know, here we are, we're in our bromance or, or whatever right now, uh-huh. and is this serving the the audience? But I also know that part of my mind can click over into overdrive, and then before you know it, I'm I'm just, uh, I guess, perpetually perception managing and not in the moment because yeah. I'm too caught up kind of orchestrating what, 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 what do I imagine would work for others? Like, so I guess part of my challenge is I'm going to try to be as, as not try, I'm just simply going to as much as I can be as present with what emerges in, in this, um, yeah. see where it takes us. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, thanks for deep diving with me straight into those realms. Um, I want to give a bit of context for how we met because it's quite a cool story. I um, I had just come out of kind of like a community breakup, you might mm. say. Like I was on I was on the rebound a little bit, a bit of like a a Ronan who was kind of deeply immersed in this idea of human connection, but I'd just been separated from my community in Thailand physically having moved back here to Australia and stuck here for longer than I thought because of COVID. And we met on Richard Bartlett's and uh, Nati Lombardo's micro solidarity course. And um, I remember, I remember seeing you in amidst the sea of faces and uh, there was a ping there straight away. I mean, you, you cut quite a figure on, on online um, kind of, I'd say good posture and like a strong, a strong beard. That was someone that I wanted to chat to in one of those little group experiences. And we were really lucky that we got that um, with Matt Kendall at one point, the three of us were put in a little room and it was really sweet. It was really like, um, we all just kind of stopped and we're like, Hey, something's happening here. And this is a, this is, this is beautiful. And little did we know that that would really, yeah, that would be the beginning of a really beautiful friendship. And in the like, seven months since then we've been on quite a journey together and I want to I want to tell that story on this podcast I want to talk about the community context that 
you very kindly invited me into at that point um, without really knowing what you were getting yourself into with that invitation. Um, and yeah, explore a little bit about the Coterie, which is the community that you've been uh, curating, that we've all been participating in together, um, as well as touch on these ideas of metamodern solar punkness that mm. has kind of emerged through that. But before we get there, um, let's let's explore the coterie a little bit. Why don't you tell me um, how it started and the, the journey of that over the last few months? Yeah, great, great. Because there's, there's this beautiful, um, uh, I guess, confluence of when our lives uh, intersect and there's a role that you played in my own stumbling in this land of community cultivation or collective cultivation that was just so timely and apt. Um, so the Coterie um, was something that was initially formed, uh, I guess, uh, the, the shorthand version of this. I, I mean, I find my own backstory terribly uninteresting, but you can, we can zoom in on anything you think might be apt. Mm -hmm. um, for many years, I've had a, a, a newsletter with quite a, a big... Um, following and I got a little bit fed up about the broadcast mode of, you know, simply broadcasting out and I switched to Substack and I noticed on that platform there were people having comments and then sometimes um, replying to each other's comments and then a couple of people said, oh, it'd be really great if there was a chance to meet other people who follow you and because mm. there's probably some affinity. Um, uh, uh, COVID-19 was beginning to really unfurl and I was right in the midst of um, the complexity scientists who were kind of urging that we ought to be panicking early, as in panicking in a, in a controlled way, like by overreacting early. Um, better mm. to overreact early than to delay for too long and regret it later. And uh, as one who often lives and dwells in the future... I was considering all sorts of things. Like, Maybe this is it. Maybe this is where society really starts to kind of catalyze and it's collapse. And I didn't know necessarily where we were heading. Um, but by then, no, actually, I've, I've jumped ahead a little bit. So before before this, um, a friend of mine, Buster Benson, who's the uh, wonderful person, he's the founder or the creator of 750words.com, mm. beautiful morning pages, journaling uh, app that helps you maintain that practice. He um, is the author of a book, uh, Why Are We Yelling? Um, the Art of Productive Disagreement. Um, Buster invited me into his Discord community called The Rickshaw. And in amongst that community, I just found a really lovely bunch of people. And it felt to me like jumping in, like leaping into something that was beyond the algorithm, beyond the uh, default network that I had. And I had a chance to just mix at a quite an intimate level. Um, Yancey Strickler did this um, piece of the dark forest theory of the internet, where he talks essentially that, you know, the mainstream internet with all of its bots and all of its performatism and uh the algorithmic overlord you know influence of all that kind of has become a little bit unsafe like i remember when the internet used to be where we could go and play uh and real life was real you know real life was where it was serious now it seems to be inverted you know mm. how you show up could trigger all sorts of flame wars or you know you could get cancelled and all of those things you got to mm. tread carefully in the open web but there are pockets um that can be found that are depressurized, that aren't indexed or algorithmic. And Discord is a 
server that allows for that. Really lovely communities that um, exist, you know, in what I would consider in the penumbra, in the shadowy realms, and that, like, it's not there uh, in bright light, but you actually get a sense of haven, uh, a sense of solace in amongst all the noise. And so Buster's Rickshaw, I found very inspiring for that. We did a we did a couple of, um, we played Numenera, which is like a Dungeons and Dragons in the future role-playing game via video, which is a lovely bonding activity because mm. you're role-playing in this fictional futuristic world together, doing improv together, which is, I don't know, it's trust building because improvising is a vulnerable act. But when you've got people that have your back, it's like, it's a, it was a beautiful thing. So, and there's something quite special about sharing things and being seen and having things acknowledged that was just really lovely for me because previous to that I might share something on cursed platforms like LinkedIn or you know things like that and you'd get you'd get people acknowledge it but you're not sure hang on are you just doing that as some sort of positioning like the Machiavellian part of me couldn't help but view a lot of the interactions with those Gets a bit of suspicion. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to start a Discord group too, and I essentially put the word out to my uh, newsletter list. And here, here begins the litany of the many mistakes that I made before Joe Lightfoot uh, <laughs> entered into my into my life. I timed that perfectly, just as you were having a sip of water. So you're doing so well. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, so first of all, um, I'd split my newsletter into a paid um, thing. So yeah. I had people that were- 11,000 subscribers, I'll have you know. Jason's newsletter is a wonderful thing. The newsletter is worth signing up to, but yeah, it's got quite a following. You've got a lot of people yeah. into it. So that, that's not all the paid ones, but um, yeah, for about 10 years I've been doing this. So uh, just just whenever it kind of feels like it. Um, so I had a portion of that list um, sign up to be premium subscribers. Mm -hmm. In the early days, I was like, okay, I'll give you premium content. Um, yeah. So I was writing and putting in a lot of work because suddenly you're having people pay you. So I was putting my best work into gated content that could only be read by a few and the conflict started to kind of eat away at me. Mm. And, and then eventually I was like, now I'm going to start a thing too. I'll call it The Coterie. Um, the Coterie, uh, the name emerged to me from... Robin Hobb's books. Uh, Robin Hobb, uh, she's a fantasy author, the um, Farsia trilogy and all the others. She's that's a phenomenal books. One of the few books that have made me ball you know, my eyes out, like just, mm. just so emotionally Im impactful. A coterie is like a, a group of um, wizards or magicians or things like that um, that uh, work together to achieve things and coterie also means like an exclusive click or something like that so yeah. i started the coterie it wasn't exclusive at all it was anyone who um <laughs> who paid to be a member <laughs> could be part of this coterie right so so that started off well and please interrupt I like there's this like i have this thing when i then at any point in time if i catch myself speaking too much like i just think uh, i don't know probably my own trauma is taking up space. Uh -huh. I'll probably get into that in about the two-third mark, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yes. So, so uh, yeah, so one of the things I've noticed in Discord forums, and I, I've joined a few in that and I scouted them out, is they can get really noisy and chaotic very quickly. Yeah. And unless you're one of those very digital-first people that spend a lot of time online, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. So before I invited anyone in, I probably spent far too much time creating the... I guess the the narrative structure of the space. Mm. Um, so the coterie is the name of the 
collective of complexity practitioners and philosopher poets. Mm-hmm. That's who I was trying to attract anyway. Yeah. That kind of kind of worked to a small degree. Hmm. Um, uh, of course, some game A folks, you know, inevitably sneak in and so mm-hmm. on. But, you know, we'll get to that. Um, and the, the place that we meet is the wizard tower and garden that exists on a floating island in a folded pocket of time space within the noosphere. Yeah. Um, the wizard tower and garden has several rooms. So these are the different chat rooms. So there's the, um, uh, the speakeasy, there's the spell dojo, um, there is um, stone circle. There's, there's various rooms with different vibes and different kind of conversational anchor points. Yeah. And that helped to seed a kind of intentionality, a kind of, uh, how we show up, uh, within the space. And it, it mostly worked for a while. And as the pandemic started to really take shape, I was starting to think community or collectives or something, you know, this is where we need need to lean into these networks. Mm. Um, And I mean, that still holds true to me more so, but it's lost that kind of frenetic edge. Um, So cut to meeting you um, at the Micro Solidarity course, which uh, had us experiencing ways of relating together uh, online. It's kind of like a catalyzed intimacy um, that was, I I thought was quite, quite well done. Um, I'm a curmudgeonly introvert who um, resists most um, interaction, like that's most interaction that's contrived or what will happen is I'll find myself switching to facilitator mode Mm. and I kind of relate to it. Most people you'd see through this, but uh, I don't say like a few folks in the know, but most people would think, oh, this person is really present showing up and very attuned. But there's this kind of this professional distancing that um, I notice in how I show up. So, and that happened in a couple of the ones early, but then something happened where I, I felt, myself able to relax uh, a little bit in those those moments and certainly then when we had the three of us uh, yourself myself and matt connect together it felt it felt like that sense of haven or that sense of solace that sense of ah you know like when you arrive to a friend's house and you feel so at home that you can flop on their couch without worrying if you're messing things up yeah. like you just help yourself to whatever's in the fridge you don't even need to ask like yeah. that sense of like arrival is probably too strong a word but that sense of like ah like solace haven anyway yeah a little little hint of that and then you know um we exchanged some some pros together via the chat thing <laughs> about oysters um <laughs> he dropped a hemingway quote in that's there that's right yeah um, so we threatened to catch up uh, for oysters at, at some point. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I, I just thought to invite you into this, uh, this group that I had, which at the, at that time was like, ah, just anyone cool that I, you know, whose mind I resonate with, I want to invite into this mix. Yeah. And then a funny thing happens because I'm inviting people into this mix. Some people are paying for it. Mm-hmm. Some people kind of resonate with it. Um, some people, I'm, I'm not sure whether they're just scouting or, you know, sniffing it out to see like what's going on here. How, what can I take and use in my own kind yeah. of game, a enterprise, um, thing, which is all fine and very good. But I think what became rather apparent to you 
with the fresh, uh, I guess, insights and lessons and the wisdoms that you are holding um, uh, with having written um, a collective blooming mm -hmm. uh, and living through all that, like there, I hadn't, I hadn't been, I, I had this felt kind of presence, this background sense of fatigue. Like I felt that like one of the challenges of uh, an online community is the amount of screen time it, it encourages. And I had this weird kind of inflated sense of custodianship about the the space with, and at that stage, I think we had, what was 150 people in, mm. in the mix? And just, you know, a lot of people were just lurkers. Um, mm -hmm. Well, sorry, not lurkers. A lot of people were just lurking as their behaviors. They're lovely people all. But I would just notice like, oh, this person, uh, she's shared something and then no one's acknowledged that. So I, I better go in and acknowledge that. And I was... I was doing all these things. Um, so I guess there's two parts to the, the coterie. There's the, there's the, I guess, the connective tissue, the, what happens in the Wizard Tower and Garden. Uh, this is a collective Wizard Tower and Garden. It's, it's not my Wizard Tower and Garden. It's just all of ours. Um, but then there's the skulks that we would do. Sense-making skulks. Let me, let me pause you there before we go into sure, the skulks. Please. Set the context a little bit. So I think this is a really important story to share because this is an experience that... Any of us can recreate online with any seemingly disparate group of people that can generate incredibly potent community experience. So it's worth unpacking how it got where it was. So, yeah, just to give a bit more reference. So Jason is this uh, very uh, deep, thoughtful writer, thinker who has generously set up this online space, which is essentially a, you know, a, a chat forum through Discord, which is a really powerful software for that. But he's put a lot of care into naming each of the channels. And he's created this wonderful, fantastical realm through which you can step into as, as a wizard and embody that. And, and that's something really quite special. But at that stage, it's kind of been populated by kind of a whole lot of people that might not even realize how lucky they were as to what they were in. So um, the stage was set for us to kind of congeal a little bit and then create some really uh, powerful bonds between each other. But I think the, the step that I saw was like, wow, here's this guy who's kind of stretching himself really thin here, offering a lot of himself to a lot of people, and they might not even be seeing how much energy that's taken because I just went through that process myself and was really burnt out because of it. So I felt this kind of like fierce protectiveness of like, wow, this is something magical, and I want to ensure that it, it is that for Jason, if nothing else, because he, he's looking for this community connection, obviously. And I was a little wary at that point because I'm like, not everything is a community waiting to happen. Like, that's <laughs> definitely your lens on life, Joe. But also there we were positioned. I'm sure many other people have had this experience at the very beginning of what became like a seven-month lockdown in Australia where a lot of the people are based. It was kind of like what lifeboat was closest to you to go through that experience. And thanks to you... You know, the 20 or 30 of us that went deeply into that journey had a really potent lifeboat that became a huge source of comfort and well-being and mental health and joy throughout. You know, we could only leave our house for an hour a day for most mm -hmm. of that experience. Mm -hmm. So it's quite a thing, you know. And um, yeah, so there we were. We had like a hundred and something people in there that weren't really into it. And I kind of said... 
to Jason, oh, maybe there's some other ways we could, you could have a look at it. And you were feeling that. And that seemed like, let's zero in on how much of an intense few weeks that was for you, deciding the responsibility that you felt for everyone in this community and how quickly yeah. you took their well-being on potentially before your own and how easy it is to do that in the center of those community stories. Yeah. What, what, what you helped me to see, because uh, I was, you know, I was, a, you know, I was previously only child kind of responsibility, taking it all on facilitator, like I gotta, you know, gotta look after these people. Mm-hmm. Um, half of which have paid to be here, half are invited. And um, th- there's kind of like a few things that you start to notice that you think, okay, this isn't sustainable. And you, you and um, you pointed this out, helped me to see this and someone else pointed this out. I ended up, I ended up creating what I called a hidden loft, um, like a little special chat, area um like uh behind the bookshelf uh where we could gather with and i was just i just because i needed help i couldn't do this myself and some folks were talking you know because like i noticed that i was too central as a node point for some people Mm -hmm. like people weren't some some folks weren't interacting with each other so much i wanted that like it filled it gave me such joy seeing like connections form that weren't directly to me that it was just like things were forming, you know, as this beautiful emergent, um, network. But then, uh, then there was some that was like, it seemed like it was always on me. Um, and then I guess there were other interactions that I just, uh, just weren't quite in the spirit. Like the internet forums can turn into flame wars. Like mm. people can get this sense of indignant, um, the sense of what Marshall Rosenberg would call the game of who's right, the game in which everyone loses instead of playing the game of making life wonderful. And one of my own heuristics is to be a little bit more fox-like as distinct from hedgehog-like in terms of the um, the minds that I was hoping to attract and how we'd play together. Fox-like being, let's, you know, let's not necessarily have strong uh, opinions about things that we feel the need to kind of fight and defend. Let's mm. just be curious. Let's have our curiosity eclipse our convictions. Um Anyway, the, the tension was getting to me. I was quite fatigued. You and I had a, a few chats and I realized that in this early stage, there's an opportunity, well, you helped me to see this, that uh, maybe it's not about the size of a community. Like uh, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is, you know, slower and smaller is so much better with these things, yeah. particularly in the complexity. So um, I, did, I did this thing and it feels in hindsight a little bit, like I say the word cleverness, I don't necessarily respect cleverness. I mm-hmm. think cleverness is a wonderful precursor to wisdom. It's mm-hmm. this kind of like naive, naive, like pseudo intelligent attempt to make things happen that then whatever emerges is the wisdom that you get on the other side of cleverness. Um, but you know what I, how I put this out to the list was, I guess, clever because I, I said to everyone that, um, well, I invited I invited some select folks who, okay. This is the thing about a Discord forum is the beautiful thing is you arrive, you can choose your own pseudonym if you want. You don't have your titles, your roles, any of the kind of baggage from the other world. You mm. show up, and you show up as a as a kind of an embodied mind, and it really you just you can. It's like an, it can almost be in like a new becoming. You it's like how you relate, how you show up, mm. like the energy you give and stuff. And there was some folks there that I thought that these, 
the way that these folks show up is really, really lovely and generative and the kind of like mix that I, so we invited them into the hidden loft, gave them a heads up as to what's happening. And then I just, I closed off my um, Substack payment subscription thing, profusely apologize. Essentially I said that like, I can't maintain this. The, the coterie is um, effectively no more. Um, which is probably too clever because in my mind I was thinking like no more people in the coterie and mm. there's still a few in the coterie, but uh, I knew that the meaning that people would make of it is like there's no more coterie. Um, and if I may. Yes. So what happened in a nutshell is that we went from a very large group to a much smaller group that was aligned for what the project was becoming. And it was a really difficult moment, it seemed, for the person in the center of that. And I think you handled that really well because that was a moment of what I think of as like game B leadership. You know, you had to to try and salvage a sense of what this thing wanted to become. You needed to change it quite radically. And that required courage and boldness. And you did that, t taking everyone into account with generosity. And what that led to was then this, this flourishing immediately. There was oh, this yeah. feeling of like, okay, Cool, we're all here. And I want to give a bit more background as to what happens on, on the Discord forum so that people have a sense of what this community is. Basically, this is a group of very deep thinkers. It's like uh, intellectuals with, with heart. So we talk about everything. We uh, discuss, you know, you, you don't discuss politics per se, but this whole sense-making meta-tribe world, meta-modernism, um, there's a whole stream of different uh, channels in there that talk about the meaning crisis, wisdom, sense-making together. So people will share really interesting thoughts. Other people will riff on it. So it's a really special, unique way of asynchronous communication around issues that most of us might not be able to be having in-person discussions around in our day-to-day -day lives. So it becomes quite a sacred thing quite quickly. It can really feel like home. It can really feel familial. So it's really important that you have... Uh, people on the same wavelength in that type of discussion because they're very deep context discussions that are going on. So if someone's a little bit out of kilter, it doesn't quite work. And all of a sudden, there we were like, hey, let's do this together. There's probably how many, you think? Maybe 20 to 25 people, maybe even less. I think it was about... Um... <clears throat> I think it was about 16 or 18. Uh, we had four folks from the rickshaw, which mm -hmm. I, which I uh, think of as emissaries because their home base is kind of more rickshaw anchored. But you know, another got... Discord community set up That's by Buster right. Benson That's and it. Jason Benson before. Yeah. So there's kind of this. It's kind of fun thinking about this, um, the solar punk underweb of like different communities in the noosphere and how like the how we interact and the gradients of privacy mm. i think there's one thing that we should probably highlight before we go into like where it got to is that the sense making skulks this weekly rhythm of synchronous um sense making together so we have all the stuff in between as the week goes but then when joe joined us we were about three or four episodes deep into the meaning crisis by john viveki we were essentially watching an episode a week and then gathering together to sense make together uh, mm. about John. And so Joe joined us there. We had a nice group of about maybe maybe six to eight, you know, would arrive onto the, the chat thing and would talk and would eventually get a little bit <laughs> like, <laughs> we think we all got over John Viveki at one stage, yeah. just like we love him, but like also he has a, he has a certain presence and style that we find amusing at times. Um, 
but then also just occasionally there were these things before we decided to um, go small that would just rub me the wrong way where I remember one time we had someone join the conversation, high, t- high context, high intimacy conversation about a third of the way in and stay just on mute, um, just listening. Yeah. Just felt like just someone felt masturbating kind of outside, yeah, you know, the window, watching like <laughs> yes. a group having a dinner party together. It's like yeah. just yeah. weird, right? And I, I thought that I thought that gradients of privacy was a cool idea, you know, like yeah. you choose how much you want to participate. But then it's kind of like, you know, when you do a Zoom call and it's it's kind of nice when people put on their camera and are present and stuff like that. There's a sense of inness together. Yeah. And for the topics that we're venturing into and the fact that then our learnings were really starting to come alive by revealing more of what's happening on in our personal lives and stuff. Yeah. It just felt like we needed to create an even safer and more intimate space. And so thanks to your encouragement. I mean, I was shaking that day. I could like my hands, like I felt like I was committing some sort of ultimate betrayal to people who had invested their dollars and trust in me. Um, and the next day I felt brilliant. Like, yeah. and, and it just, it was, it was totally fine and it was totally the right thing to do. And since then, since then it's been, it's been, it's been good. Um, Although I would say that we're still kind of grappling on numbers, like still sometimes the sense making feels like it's too large a number when it gets above eight people, yeah. you know. Um, and there is also still the the challenge of how much screen time we have. And mm. now as the pandemic, at least in Australia, is showing glimmers of of potentially easing. There's there's something where I'm I'm considering that. The hybridization, like, do we need to meet locally or how does this work? Yeah. But then another thing that you helped me see is just like the, I guess, the intentionality of a collective. Because there was this, there was this funny stage where we'd, we'd kind of jumped into micro solidarity. A few others did the course as well. Then we kind of met to do some clumsy, authentic relating. And this was also in a time where we're thinking, are we moving towards a thing where we start sharing finances? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. this, this, this weird, like, it was like too much too soon. And <laughs> uh, for in, uh, a collect, a collection, I'd say intellectuals, but partly what I love about it is we, we've got a mix of CEOs, professors, coaches, uh, all spectrums of, of folk that, I don't know, there's something like the quality, like this, I, I like the non-algorithmically generated nature of the diversity of this group, that yeah. how we kind of found each other. It's like a beautiful mix. Like I get, you know, we've got um, CJ is part of the group, you know, and she's in the choir and stuff. Like I just get exposed to yeah. things that I otherwise wouldn't in my normal Fitzroy mm. bubble, you know. Yeah, so we're, we're, there's probably the majority is based around Australia, but there's also people all over the world. We've got... Folks in Europe and America, um, I really want to speak to just how potent an experience this has been. I'm shocked and amazed after having spent six years in very in-person, high-context community and knowing the transformation of that, being all G'd up about that. I've been a bit, you know, a little bit skeptical of how far you can go online, but I've been blown away by the sense of belonging and purpose and meaning that I've been able to garner through this group fumbling together, finding its way. We're still at the early stages of what it is, but the magic has been there since the get-go. And a lot of that's on you, Jason. I do want to acknowledge your space-holding, your generosity, your kindness um, has allowed that to happen. 
Um, but it's also the group of people that's come together. Uh, without your intervention, this whole thing would have collapsed. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I was so close to burning out and just, I, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I couldn't, it couldn't. And like, I, it's like one of the wish that I would have of anyone um, cultivating a collective or being that kind of caller and then seeing it grow is like, I, I wish that there, there's someone like you or someone that can come in with empathy for the caller or whoever like yeah. is the initiator to, ah, oh, I don't know. You were so, you were so the care that you showed me in the, 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 the time just, it was, it was unexpected and exactly what I needed. And like, I just, oh, I can't like, I can't quite, it's like you, you kind of intimately understood the things that I was grappling with. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of these things you try to explain it to other people and it's, it comes like, you've probably seen paranoid. Like it comes down to just like the, the kind of the vibe tone of this kind of slight conversation that happened here mm-hmm. that seems to be an open loop that hasn't been addressed. And I just want to make sure that, that you know, yeah. all of those things just like lightly on your mind. And then, and then the double meta loop of like becoming aware of your own inflated sense of responsibility and then trying not to. And then you start like overthinking, overfeeling way too much. And then you have this weird, anxious, avoidant relationship to your own community <laughs> yes, that you're in. Yes. Like, it's just... In I it, was, but not really I of was, it. Like, yeah, know? totally. Yeah. It was all in that world. And you helped liberate me from that that kind of weird place that I'd f- found myself in. You Beautiful. know, from the stumbling. So, And this is you. this is really the discussion that I most want to be having on this podcast, to be honest. Like, what's it like to be at the center of one of these experiences. Like it's twofold. I want to uh, just tell the stories of what it's like for these different collectives around the world and how joyous these different contexts are, but also to really hone in on the people that are holding space for it. It's unlike anything you've ever experienced. And it's this emergent thing that's really Mm -hmm. hard to put your finger on because you're part father or mother figure, you're part therapist your part leader your part ceo but you're also none of those things because you're trying to get out of the way as much mm. as possible because you realize that it's got to be a co-created experience if you want it to have that certain co-resonance to it so there's a lot going on in those moments and there's a bottleneck on how much time and energy that those people at the center can put into these projects because they're often doing many other things and so it was a joy for me, really. It was a pleasure to see that because I was like, okay, I think this is an archetypal role we're going to need going forward of like uh, orchestrator, personal masseur behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Like what do, what do they need? Because they are. it is their, uh, I get a bit metaphysical with it, their energetic, their soul energy, however you want to put it, that I feel is like, holding this thing together. Like if I close my eyes, there really is themselves wrapped around it. And that is an incredibly vulnerable and open place to be that is, um, as I've said before, yeah, often unacknowledged and unsupported. So it was a good case study in that because with a little bit of uh, the right holding, you very quickly slipped into what seemed like you started having fun again. Mm. And as soon as you started having fun again, everyone had fun and then we all have been having fun ever since really you know with different ebbs and flows mm. going through it but yeah that's a it's a nice little story in that regard isn't it i'm so surprised how you were able to show up like it was only when i was listening to your chat with sam really i mean i got hints about what was happening in your world and you, you mentioned it in in a kind of you know that that 
jolly kind of like like I'm just too much trauma to deal like with kind of way. Apart, I'm kind of dying of heartbreak right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, insert emoticon. Um, you know, uh, and and yet there was this there was this kind of I feel so grateful for the kind of the archetype that you were in that moment, the role that you played and how you showed up mm. and it, it, but yeah, like, um, I mean, one of the things, one of the things that, uh, you know, this, this comes up is like, how many, how many of these communities can one be involved in at any one time? Yeah. Cause that, it struck me like you were still, there was still kind of like, you were still in it and observing it. And I had an angry ex. Yeah, right. I was, uh, you know what I mean. I was on the rebound, but we were still breaking up. Mm, mm. We weren't sleeping together at that time. I want you to know. <laughs> I was exclusive with the coterie <laughs> early on, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and you had this beautiful, timely book, Collective Blooming, which has yeah. just resonated perfectly. And also, just this is coming back to this weird thing. It's like the Listening Society, yeah, as a as a reference book. It's a pretty esoteric book, but. Yeah. Those that have read it and gone through the psychoactive um, gamut that uh, that that provides, I don't know. There's something on the other edge, and then very you know after meaning crisis, we all got into sand talk, and yeah. you know there's this. Yeah, this I want I want to zero in on this. So like, um, this is where it gets really special, and this is what I'm trying to learn for going forward. Doc Rack, the community that we had in Thailand, was based on a very loose but very beautiful co-created values of like goodness and togetherness it was open-hearted people but very different ideas and after a while we saw that that self-imploded so what i was most excited about was to meet this character that was as into hansi freinhardt's work as i was like we totally got immersed in that um i think it's safe to say like yeah it, it it became our lens you know the developmental model of that um yeah and to this day of daniel gortz it's just absolutely one of my favorite thinkers and yeah to find that in another friend who was doing community was like wow okay there's something here and then also we both shared a resonance with game b mm-hmm. and then we're both getting into solar punk together mm-hmm. and then we both arrived at tyson young Porter's work of sand talk so i was like whoa this isn't just a group of people this is a group of people with a very peculiar shared set of references that uh you don't find very often Mm. so there was this like gentle joy of like we see the world the same way so it's like i don't even need to talk about meaning crisis stuff with all of you i'm happy to talk about like what i'm planning to have for dinner which we don't but like just because we share that reference, it doesn't yeah. need to be talked about. Usually when I'm with a group of people, I'm like subtly trying to sprinkle in all these other ideas, which is a little bit gross of me really. But that was a beautiful feeling of coming home to like uh, a shared philosophical uh, North Star, you might say, yeah. which, um, yeah, we joked about for a while, had a very long string of names. What mm. was it? Like Metamodern, Sand Talk, How to Do Nothing, James Cass, Infinite Game. Yep. Game B, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a mouthful. I used to I used to think of it as a constellation. It's like, oh, cool. There's this kind of patch of slightly related yet distinct beacon notions that we kind of align our sextants to, um, as a kind of like for a sense of directionality and where where we're heading. And but every time we talked about it, yeah, it was a bit of a mouthful because like metamodernism in and of itself, without necessarily some of the indigenous wisdoms, like ah, oh, just kind of didn't. Like the uh, the listening society didn't 
it's, I love it so much. And it also it just it just felt like it didn't quite have some of those things. But then all, and then you know you, you jump over to something else like the the, the solar punk stuff is like this is so cool like as an aspirational aesthetic and a political movement. But maybe it doesn't have like the I guess you know the intelligence of the the the, the engine that is metamodernism. Uh, you know, so like but you can see these beautiful synergies start to emerge, and there's this beautiful I guess felt thing. And when others you know, to varying degrees in each and our own ways, have this same affinity, this same res- sorry, similar resonance. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful, and I, I crudely some I crudely sometimes like think of it as those. Though, I think of um, those with a, an affinity for complexity, um, but that I don't know how much that that also because we we listen to a lot of complexity podcasts. And we all kind of started to find ourselves a little bit, I guess, fatigued by mm-hmm. the nomenclature of, you know, all the, the terms, you know, and the and when we listen to Daniel Schmutzenberger's brilliant mind and stuff, and it's like, it's really great, but it's also very, there's like a headiness to it. And then Nora Bateson comes in with her warm data and we kind of resonate with that. And But still, we're kind of left in this, this soup of this synthesis of sensibilities that then we're starting to kind of like, I don't know, we started it, something started to form. And then, and then we got close to the Metamodern Solarpunk Manifesto, yeah. which like, which you, which you, you pen together, which is, I'm doing this beautiful gesture that no one else can see. This is kind of like Moving the noosphere is kind of like, <laughs> oh, it's just coming. Squeezing just, the lemon of together. Uh, shared interests. Which is kind of cool to see it emerge, particularly uh, given the darkness of our times. Like I'm very prone, prone to um, nihilism and despair. Like, um, if I stop to think about where we're heading and if I pay too much attention to a lot of signals out there, I can, I can feel incredibly down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during the year, you know, we started the year last year with the bushfires, which got me into all sorts of like, I think I was grieving. Like I was actually, I just, I'd wake up and like, I'd, I'd cry sometimes because of the literal smoke in the air, but just thinking about all the animals that have uh, perished and just where we're heading. And, mm. and then we had black lives matter, which, uh, you know, I know that you felt the effects of, and myself, I was feeling wretched and complicit. And I was then having my own existential crisis about the role that I play, you know, showing up in corporate land and doing what I do, who am I really serving? What am mm. I, what am I actually doing? Uh, and yet also not really f- necessarily knowing any escape or alternative i don't don't know it's this weird and so there's a lot of kind of stuff to process and when we do think about the big things that you know hansi daniel and uh has mapped you know the systemic inequality the uh, ecological devastation the um modern alienation Mm -hmm. all of these things that they're right there that you know and if not for having this sense of community or haven or solace that we find and being able to vibe together and like i have this i don't know if you have this but i have this thing i did this this uh, online event last night and bless bless them but I, I had like a few um uh older white gents who are optimists mm. optimists about the future and i just found this part of me and of course all on the surface i'm very kind and benevolent but i'm also kicking myself i wish i could be a little bit more punkish in these situations but mm. i'm just too kind like i just this naive optimism sometimes irks me uh when it's kind of when i when i witness it from a place of privilege that just really 
I, I'm not sure I've really considered things through a lens of complexity. It's just, I don't know. Um, but then, you know, left to my own devices, I can spiral as some sort of bitter pomo. And that's, <laughs> so, so coming back to the haven, it's, and just knowing that that's there is, it's really, I don't know, there's something really heartening and it's something I wish of everyone to have their own kind of collective. Yeah. But there's low barriers to entry is what we've discovered. Mm. Like jump in a Discord server. I mean, there's a lot of subtle magic that's gone on there to create that. But it's easy at any time that you want, comment when you need to. You can go missing for a few days or a week if you've got other things going on. With a bit of a cadence, these these weekly skulks were really important. They formed a lot of the mycelium for the coterie of meeting once a week and having a shared topic to, to, to come around. But... How beautiful, not only that community was created through this, but also that this senius, which is a word that you uh, put on my radar, of this group genius coming together, has literally brought forward this really powerful manifesto, which is a direct result of the thinking within the coterie over time. And I think there's something really special in it, if I don't say so myself, even Mm -hmm. though we penned it, like... along with Sam's collaboration, but really everyone in the coterie, I feel, has, has really been the genesis of that and it's it is quite special it's a constellation of like yeah it's got the the kind of clear boldness of metamodern philosophy but also the warmth and gritty hope of that uh solar punk aesthetic mixed in with the kind of psychological co-regulation of this mm. neo-tribal element and yeah that's quite a thing it's quite a quite a thing and it's not pr- particularly evident elsewhere yet it's definitely in pockets and so yeah, isn't that cool that when you get a group of people together, not only do they find joy and belonging and meaning together, but they can produce quite wonderful artifacts that then ironically can then create even more community going forward. Because if I compare, say, Doc Rack and the Coterie, the two communities that I've been most deeply involved with over the last few years, Doc Rack was even more pluralistic, which was magical, but was also a limiting point as to how deep you can go together. And if I look at the coterie, it's almost like a Goldilocks zone in some degrees of intellectual differentiation where we're close enough that no one feels like they have to kind of watch their back or kind of really hold back on what they're saying. But at the same time, there's a really broad diversity in there. But yet, I think there's still a, maybe a limiting factor there of like how how deep into the trauma can we go? And like at some point, um, Sam joined, who's mm. my uh, one of the co-creators of Doc Rack, who was on the podcast last week. And the way re-roll is like, you know, what's alive in you right now? How's the dark depths of your soul? Like what trauma are you grappling with? Like, you know, because that's just been the nature of the work that we've been doing. So that's that's kind of what we bring to a community when we arrive. And we've brought elements of that into the, the coterie and that's been well met. But then there is a level of like, you, d- you don't want to push people beyond what's comfortable or where they're at or what feels right for the moment and the group because it can yeah, feel a little yeah. gross. Um, so this leads me to think that again, just smaller groups, even within these kind of contexts of just two or three people, um, to then, cause for me, the, 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 the whole amino acid profile of a collective or a community experience is not quite there unless we're really being our authentic selves mm. and bringing up those difficult feelings that, uh, uh, sometimes hard to acknowledge and reflecting that back to each other there becomes a level of like um 
gosh, I remember when my parents were separating and I thought there was a bit of like a, a pantomime or a farce going on at some point of like, huh, we're not really speaking to what's going on here. And mm. I think I've become really sensitive to that. Mm. And um, I long for that with groups of people. But I recognize that if it's not the time for that, then that can be almost uh, a violent move to put on someone who's not ready. So I sit in this point of tension now in any group that mm. I'm in of like wanting to go to the very depths. But I recognize that's just kind of where I'm at in my own unfurling. And it's not necessarily fair to project that on everyone around me. But um, I felt that to a nourishing degree with some of the one-to-one interactions that I've had with Coterie members that has mm. allowed me to be like, no, it's okay. You can, you can show up here as all of you and you'll be held. And um, yeah, that's been really special. It formed some really beautiful friendships because of that. And, and, mm. and that's then uh, kind of melted out into the rest of the coterie. Something I've noticed in these communities is that one-on-one interactions that happen between community members affect the culture of the whole community, even yeah. if others don't know it's happened. So they're these fascinating complex adaptive systems yeah um it's been such a joy to to be in it's it's like i i feel the sense that there's i mean it's it's in terms of the i mean we're cultivating right so we can't orchestrate or architect or enforce but like i do feel a sense that 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 we could intentionally create some space for it. Like I I know I have my own allergies to over, not allergies, but like concerns and probably inflated concerns that aren't warranted. Um, But just knowing where some groups form around these things that are far too, uh, far too uh, so sincere as to be contrived in some ways. Like it just, it just like you you can't really force it. and there's also a, there's a number thing, you know, which means that when you, I think once you get beyond four people for this stuff, it starts to like the effects start to wane a lot. So we're talking about an exclusive, therefore opt-in option. Well, all of it's option, optional. Um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's, there's something like... The, I, I agree with you that the kind of the, the forming, the deepening of the bonds and stuff, like the one-on-one catch-ups and then the small sense-making things we have, do, they they do something in terms of how we show up and share. And we, we've experimented with some, you know, cameras on, different different kind of... Sharing poetry together. Yeah, yeah, which, is, which was quite moving. And also I remember early on in the piece where we had this meeting thinking about what do we want to do with the Coterie itself and you know, collector, like there's this thing of me and it might, I don't know if this is wise um, at all, but I'm always, I find myself pulling back and maybe I venerate the role of the trickster a little bit too much, but like I, I find myself whenever I'm adopting too much responsibility vibes, like, or I should, I really should do this. I kind of like, I, I switch to this, like uh, maybe we just kind of tweak here or maybe we just kind of do this little playful thing here or maybe we just, like there's this erring and sometimes I wonder if maybe, maybe, maybe it does require a little bit more sincerity and earnestness saying, Hey, I'm feeling like maybe we should do this. give this a try for mm. a month. Um, I haven't flexed into that yet. Maybe because I'm too still a little bit scarred or scared of taking on like heaviness, you know, and you know, it's if I thing. propose it and then it doesn't work out well, or if I propose it and then people share 
stuff very vulnerably, but then we don't somehow meet again to resolve that? Is it still on me? Like, it's just, just like, there's a whole world of like, um, <laughs> angst and worry that, uh, you know, that's, that, that, that you could be courting with that stuff. This ties in nicely to where I also want to discuss with you is this idea of, um, what comes next for, for you and I out of this experience with this community? And for me, it's writing uh, my next book, which is going to be uh, the journey from being social animals towards community creatures. And I think that really relates to what you're saying here. It's scary. If, if you make a, a move, an initiative in this kind of uh, newly formed community context you don't know how it's going to land or how people are going to react. And I think that's because we're all so new to operating in these contexts, where if we'd all kind of been through a process of initiation where we kind of knew what it was like to do that ourselves, we'd know how to respond. And if someone put forward a, a bold idea, we wouldn't then set it up in a way that they get snowed under mm. or feel responsible. And so there's some newness to that experience as well, uh, it's a really, it's a liminal space. It's so hard to put words to, but anyone that's been in these kind of collectives can feel it. It's like not quite family, not quite friendship group, not quite professional. Mm. It's got these elements of what I feel is neo-tribalism in it of like, oh, we're just being with each other for the sake of being with each other. So it's, it's a subtle thing that you don't want to mess with, but then it can also change very quickly. I remember Buster Benson commented at one point where he's like, yeah, you've just got to be open to it shifting. Community happens in moments and you don't know what it's going to be like the next day. And that's an interesting yeah. quality to yeah. it as well, isn't it? And that's, again, that's another part of being a community creature, knowing that, being really invested and really in it, but not dependent on it so that you let it change. And Totally. This is just good wisdom for relating in any context, I think, maybe. Yeah, the, the paradox of like being involved and engaged without being attached uh, but also not distant and removed you know yeah. it's like there's a surrender i guess to it but that's not a surrender of the quality of like i don't care whatever it's like you still care like it's a it's a it's a beautiful um juxtaposition of uh, it's a generative tension yeah. and part of the the thing of the generative tension is the worry that we might collapse you know we don't want to actually have collapse and that's what happens sometimes when there's too much formality, there's too much rigidity, mm. too much structure imposed. And at the same time, without some sort of structure, I mean, we're taking a break from the sense-making skulks at the moment. Mm. And I kind of feel like we need to do something again, but maybe in a different way. And then I'm just playing with like, what, what might it look like? How might I, you know, trigger or someone else might in the, in the thing like, but, but like, how do we stoke the embers of this next emergence? Like, what, what, what does it look like without it becoming all on me? Or, yes. you know, so, you know it's, 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 so it's this, it's this constant, like this oscillation. It's a very, it's, a, it's, it's complex dynamic adaptive system. It's, com it's all come back to complexity. That's how most of our discussions finish in the code. Yeah, it's, it's a complex system. <laughs> yeah, thing. Complex. Um, I, we were joking before recording that uh, podcast suggests like, pseudo therapeutic processes for whoever started them so in that vein i want to uh, look at this sense of commitment fear in myself that i can see manifesting in these community contexts as well of like a part of me is longing for this transcendental sense of being and uh 
synchronicity and harmony with a group of people to be just so in sync with them to be as one which is my romantic notion of what immediate return hunter-gatherer societies and indigenous cultures have shared for millennia and yet I'm afraid because if I jump into these contexts when it's not maybe the right container for that, I feel like I may be imprisoned for life, which is dramatic, or I feel like I may have shown my cards too soon. So there's always this kind of like testing the waters uh, sensation going on. But then I kind of want to release myself in this moment. Like there's all this like, I don't know, I've picked up on some of this in you, Jason, this responsibility for how others are feeling so much. Mm. And I think we need to jettison that to some degree or else we can't really ever show up as ourselves and just claim what it is and what we want. And if it's not that, then we leave. And that's also okay. But there's this kind of middle ground that I can get stuck in that mm. I want to jump out of. Um, so I've tried to model myself that way along the way by like boldly exposing myself um, but it's a little risky at times because if you don't feel held or caught, you can feel a bit like a, that you've just kind of put something on someone's plate that they didn't order and B <laughs> that like they've just eaten a piece of your soul and maybe not even realized it. So, um, <laughs> yes, be gone commitment demons. <laughs> I want to be free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I had to, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it evoked something there. I, mm. yeah. I, I wonder if this is something. I mean, uh, someone in the, in the code read Tom uh, offered references the fear of being fabulous, mm. and I quite like that framing. There's like a fabulosity to um, the kind of the jettisoning of responsibility. Mm. Responsibility is such a finite, serious, like heavy vibe, and yet at the same time, we don't want to. It's not saying being. I don't know irresponsible i don't know it's not like not caring it's just oh, i don't know but this is what i do right i start to intellectualize it like mm. i get close to feeling that vibe <laughs> yeah. and then something switches over me it's like oh let's start thinking about this yes <laughs> you said something before about that 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 transcendental thing and it reminded me of the word conspirators like mm. conspiring breathing as one that yeah. that sense of finding resonance of fellow conspirators. I mean, I like conspirators because it's like we're sneakily like plotting yeah. something, but there's also that, that, that sense of breathing as one together. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. And yeah, I, whatever, whatever I like, the, I don't know what goes on in my head, but like <laughs> that, that sense of like, Oh, like it's risky. I think like you've maybe just felt an essence maybe, of it to maybe, some degree. Like yeah. There's you this, open like this, and this kind of spiritual, like, Ah, and then like, and then like the intellectual part of me was like reading a book on the other side of the room of my head. It's like, what the fuck? And then this <laughs> runs over. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. That's it. That's it. We just experienced a microcosm of that experience. And it's, I think that's the process that we all need to just keep going through together because we're shedding layers of the super ego of the messages that we've taught of what we're supposed to be and the culture we've grown up in that doesn't encourage us to be all of our parts at once. Mm. 
Mm. And a lot of our parts don't quite make sense yet. And some of them are quite difficult for us to look at, let alone other people. So, yeah, this, this, this opening, this breathing in and breathing out, this conspiring together, this holding each other. It's a, it's a really uh, sacred process and such a fascinating thing that it can unfold wholly online through Discord, which was a software designed for gamers to chat while they were blowing each other up in whatever mm. wonderful gaming worlds they're inside of. So I think it's part of its charm, yeah. like this, because it just hasn't been built by a company looking to make lots of money, like yes. scaling it. It's yes. like, yes. we want to help people have a good time together yeah. and share a good time together uh, online. They yeah. might be sapping up now, who knows, but no. like, um, but yeah, there's, there's a there's a vibe in, in amongst it. So much of this comes to aesthetic, right? Yeah. So you look at the loading screen of Discord and it's got these cute little messages of what's going on yeah. and even how they do their software update notifications mm. is playful and fun. Mm. And I think that's easy to kind of overlook aesthetic, but, um, but it's so powerful and it's subtle shaping of things. Like, which again is, you know, part, like one of the best things that emerged um, through the Coterie to me personally in, in the year that was last year with all the darkness and the heaviness I was holding is the is a real understanding and resonance for the solar punk uh, movement yeah. as, it, as it kind of sits with metamodernism and indigenous wisdoms and neo-tribalism and like it just... That, that sense of moving quietly and planting things, that sense of adopting a disposition like the just like finding pockets of goodness like it because like i read listening society mm. and my mind was like global and it's things like okay yeah. you know nordic ideology is like we've got to what do we do to start changing the you know and it's probably not how hansi intended necessarily but there's something alive in me but also so frustrated as well because like everything was so big and i was so meta you know <laughs> all these things um and that sensibility is still there, but there's something, again, which comes back to the community that the, I guess one of the key things I've learned from you and a collective blooming is like the smaller and slower, yeah. you know, just like, you know, we're in a world that's all about moving fast and, mm. you know, that, but there's small, slower. I don't mean slow as in stagnation slow. I just mean like giving, giving it time, cultivating the depth, not, not rushing it, not hastening it artificially. Allowing things to emerge. Move quietly and plant things has become the catch call of the coterie, I feel. Yeah. And mm. we're embodying it in how we live, which is quite potent and quite transformational. And that leads me to inquire as to where are you... Okay, so the doc rack process totally broke me open and metamorphosized my being and life and what I'm about. Uh, I've seen that happen to other people that have been in the center of a collective journey. I've seen the same thing happen to you through the coterie. And I wonder now where the wonderful mind of Dr. Fox goes and what, what will emerge from this. I know that you've got another book on the radar and I'm wondering if I could tease out some sense of which direction it's heading. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So we're, we're, we're both going to be doing a bit of writing this year. Um, and I do, that does excite me about the the notion of a a purposeful pod like thing like little sub pods within the collective thing like a i really do like the notion of fluid 
porous, but you know, while it works, like that's this kind of gathering that we may, we may experience. So for me personally, um, I mean, I've written a couple of books, but they, they feel like they were written in gay may land for a predominantly gay may audience. Like my latest book, how to lead a quest. I was able to smuggle in concepts of meaningful progress as distinct from the delusion of progress. And that's been a question that's plagued my own mind. What, what's currently alive for me, um, I mean, I would just say I'd already put it out on the internet anyway. Um, I, I, I have in mind to write something like the character handbook, a post-authentic guide to role-playing life. Um, that subtitle needs some qualification. I like its spiciness, but um, essentially... The post-authentic handbook to role-playing life. A post-authentic... Oh, uh, I like A post-authentic guide to role-playing life. Yes. So there's something I feel like sometimes our obsession for authenticity and chasing that superstition drives us into like, I mean, it's it's essentially what I'm looking to do is provide a little bit of a gateway on ramp to adult development Hmm. via an aesthetic and a a, a lens that probably hasn't been expressed before. Hmm. Adult development I find it endlessly fascinating, but there's a big barrier to entry. Either you've got to drink some pretty wicked Kool-Aid like of the um, spiral dynamics land and like get all up in that land, which is wonderful. Yeah. There's so much good stuff in it. Or you need to kind of just settle Drop in. 10 and, grand on a Tony Robbins weekend in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Or get super academic and wade through very dense um, academic tomes, which I which I love. But And we, we had a thing with uh, a wonderful paper by Tom Murray, which is almost like a book in itself, which is... That there's so much to this, um, but I, I think potentially for as an elder millennial, as a um, metamodern solar punk wizard and a, and a bit of a bard, I do feel a calling to help, uh, I guess, likewise kindred spirits that are feeling a little bit lost, a little bit disenchanted, a little bit jaded, to find a way to navigate through the abyss um, that inevitably emerges in, in many developmental journeys to some sort of um, more complex yet integrated sense of selfness without it necessarily being the end of a journey. And I don't, so the scary thing for me is I don't necessarily feel qualified for this, mm. but I feel like it's a wonderful vehicle for what I'm already curious in. So it's, it's, it's going to be a fun journey. We'll see. Like it's decidedly a non-commercial book. I'm writing the book that I want to write. Mm. Um, it might even take the form of a choose your own adventure or something like I, I don't really know, but mm. like a, it's super early. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see what emerges as the year unfolds. Mm. Talk to me a bit more about post authenticity. Um, so a lot of my disposition is scarred and jaded by the conference land because. Mm. Um, a lot of what I have been doing as I, I would go and speak at conferences, which mm. means I get exposed to a lot of the, the so-called new ideas that are emerging. And I get a real sense of what the, what's in the zeitgeist in, in at least enterprise land. And um, one of the things with, when it comes to personal development, there is these common themes, almost these platitudinous throwaway lines. Like you just need to be true to yourself. Okay. Once you find your authentic self, once you, it's like, once you discover your passion, um, everything starts to align. Okay. Um, 
And so people hunt for this authentic self, mm. this mysterious, mythical, elusive, ideal self, which is a nice quest in itself from the constructive discontent perspective. Uh-huh. But it's also, um, if we rarefy this supposed authentic self too much, if we make too much of a thing, we've just created this alternative, uh, <laughs> this alternative ego thing mm. that we can hold ourselves, like berate ourselves against. And so instead of being so self-obsessed about our own authenticity and stuff, we step into the space of, uh, I guess, the more individual disposition. Mm. We, like the the guide, to, the post-authentic guide to role-playing life is, it's kind of having a more of a situational awareness of the context we find ourselves in and the roles that we might play and how we might intentionally step into, almost with like the, the disposition of, of, of LARPing, although I know mm. that has some connotations, but live action role-playing, improvisation, infinite play, the theater, like what what is needed in this situation or what role do I want to play in this? And just, I guess to, to I mean, in my own journey, you know, thanks to you introducing me to the Enneagram and stuff like that, I do realize how much of a, I guess, the intellectual thinker is, it tends to be a dominant, dominant part of me that which may be a stumbling block in some ways for some roles that might be played but it's i i, I find it's an interesting and useful disposition to have um in terms of thinking of our own unfurling and character development if we're less obsessed about some image of ourself that we have been maintained of who we should be and more open to who we might be in relation to the contexts and situations we find ourselves in i guess an agent arena a relationship and to do that with a spirit of play in a in a kind of to embrace the generative ambiguity of life and see how we can show up and co-create a world more curious and kind. I think that would be, I think that'd be wonderful. And then to have it framed as a, as a character handbook, similar to how people would get a player handbook in Dungeons and Dragons, mm. where they get to choose, I guess, the class they play. And, you know, but if, if we're thinking about things like, you know, this is where it could get quite involved. If we're thinking about things like, you know, in a player handbook, if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you get to choose your, I guess, your, your, your sex, your your race, your class, and things like that. In this life that we find ourselves in, there are some things that we don't necessarily have as much control over, and there's implications. Like if you know, oh, this is going to go way too deep, and I don't know how. I don't know how much I go into that, but like, there's there's a way that this book might be able to smuggle in some sensibilities where people might be able to reflect on their own privilege a little bit more. They mm. might be able to reflect upon society and how it um is uh how there's an inherent unfairness in the disposition or uh, the distribution of wealth and uh things like so anyway it could be a good vehicle to smuggle in a lot of the things that uh you know that we a lot of the dispositions and sensibilities that we have cultivated sweet jason you forget how interesting the things you are that as you're sharing you've got this wonderful cutoff point you get to the mm. edge of like you're such a tease you're like in that direction and then the wizard cloak comes around okay. you go another okay. direction so i think there's this thing where i'm just i don't know like so i'm used to a keynote right so i've got uh-huh. 45 to 60 minutes on stage uh-huh. i'm like right you're a captive audience we yes. can go deep here in a conversation I don't want to be the speaker that speaks too long, you know? I don't want to, like, uh, so I get super nervous. Anyway, thank you for listening. Sure. I think we circle back deliciously to the first question that I ask you, touching on the sense of self and how we role-play that and what 
this is where solar punk really really speaks to me of like this is a strategic personal narrative that i want to embody and i really get that sense that uh i think the stroke of community genius that you set up for the coterie that i think others can really learn from myself included is the way that you artfully created the imagery and evocative language around each one of these rooms in the castle which are these different channels um i wish i had one on hand here i might even be able to yeah, go for it. Look here and share what I'm talking about because that blending of narrative and reality is wow, so powerful. Um, let me read a little bit of what you wrote in terms of what is what is it to be fox-like, and the 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 fox is the. I believe a coterie has something to do with foxes. Yes, it? originally it's yeah. the mythical coterie of the fox. The fox being a trickster-like entity um, that is venerated. Whose dispositions we admire. Yeah. The um... And that flavors through in terms of like skulks and how we show up. It's not like if it were a lion, for example, there'd be something a little bit more glorious and triumphant and proud and roar and look at us. But yeah, we kind of... We skulk. Yeah. Like, look at this, for example. This is the first thing you read when you jump into this Discord channel. Welcome to Foxlike. This is the start of the Foxlike channel. Here we gather a growing list of the infinite, fluid, trickster-like, metamodern disposition we seek to cultivate and maintain. One of the hardest things about maintaining a coterie is it is going to flex against our natural disposition to be open to anyone and everyone. This is going to be a very real and active tension. Hopefully this channel serves as a reference for resonance. And that's just a small example of you wove a really potent and powerful linguistic narrative web for us to uh, um, <laughs> get trapped in. No, I don't want to go with that. To, to create within ourselves. And that that's something really special. And I think that's kind of maybe some of the magic of what you're inviting people to do, I hope, in your next piece of work is how we start to do that for ourselves and the liberation that comes from choosing to let go of this authentic self-story, this this uh, identity placed on us by uh, modern culture and embodying uh, a little bit of that trickster, that coyote energy, but like... What does each moment require you to be? And there's kind of a pivot in that, but also a playfulness. And um, I recognize the potency of that. Oh, that's lovely. That's so nice. I'm not actually used to sharing this with anyone. So you're the first person I've spoken aloud to about us other than Kim. Mm. And uh, this feels really lovely <laughs> to me. So thank you for capturing that. Um, so let me yeah. ask you one mm. more time. Who are you, Dr. Jason Fox? <sighs> it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> God. I mean, okay, so like there's the the roles that I enjoy playing. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like my heart, there is this kind of uh, fluid fox-like character that, I don't know, that's not even at the heart. I don't know, I'm no one at the heart, you know, and we're yeah. all connected and so on. But then there's this, there's this kind of roguish fox-like trickster that has adopted the persona of a wizard because it serves me. Yeah. Um, and the, the wizard has been a 
just a much easier alternative to describe what I do other than thought leader or, you know, I don't even like expert It's it's because it's not about expertise, but there's a relational thing. I like that. It's kind of, it's got ard as a, as a suffix. It's like, like bastard, you yeah. know, it's about whiz as in wisdom. So mm. like wise bastard, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's yeah, I like that. that is you. And I guess what I'm getting a sense of that I hope I can convey to people rather than putting you on the spot with a really difficult philosophical <laughs> question, which is delicious because you're my friend. I don't get to do this to all my podcast guests. But I think what you're pointing at is actually wizardry. You're using this constructed persona to melt away that sense of self to allow us to delve into this complex non-self all is one individual space which is essentially quite a spiritual move but it's 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 a bait and switch which is delicious because you're like come and play with us over here it is kind of like and what's behind the cape oh nothing you are we all are and there's this feeling of that that is is really profound and i can feel it now and i'm really glad to be within the radius of your spell cast however many dice we needed to roll to to get it to the potency <laughs> that it is now it's um it's something really special and i'm looking forward to um co-creating with you in the next year ahead and, and one thing i want to speak to one of the most potent things that uh, a lived example of what i got out of being a part of the coterie um is i wrote a book my first book i self-published it this last year and i wondered like well, what's it going to take for me to feel happy and satisfied? How many sales or recognition? Like, because, you know, it was four years of work, so it's no small thing. I don't want to pretend that I don't want it to be received in some way. And all it took was 15 or so people in the coterie reading it, caring about it, each dropping me their own personal little comment of like, hey, well done, here's a little bit of feedback, and... Yeah, that can that can almost move me to tears to mm. how felt and how seen I felt and how held and how beautiful that is that I could present the the most intricate parts of my heart and and to be received by just such a small group and that was it you know like that that was that was it and that's em, um, emboldened me to do something bigger and better. And then to offer that support back in return. And that's one of the major boons of being inside of these collectives, of being able to get into a positive feedback loop of encouragement and earnest support. So thank you to everyone in the Coterie that shared those words with me. They were more powerful than you know. And thank you, Jason, for inviting me into this community context and being such a warm and generous, kind-hearted friend. We co-create each other. Thank you. It's been lovely. I hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as I did. Show notes are available online at www.joelightfoot.org, where you can also find more information about my book, A Collective Blooming. Music by Johnny Eagle. Until next time, be well, my friends.